Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's House. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. I want to talk to you tonight about the mysteries of Shabbat. One of the mysteries is that we do this all the time, but I've never really taken time to explain some of the things that we're doing and to get into some of the meanings that are connected with, 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 with ceremony and with some of the things that we are kind of habitually doing. So I thought I'd take some time to, to talk to us about what this passage was saying. This is the passage of the week, is emor, say, or speak, and it, it has to do with the establishing of Shabbat, of the Sabbath. And I have a close connection with this one. This was my bar mitzvah passage uh, some years ago. Not that long. I got it. I did. So we should see the mysteries of Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. That's close. Okay. I hope he's not having to rebuild the whole thing while we're doing this. Okay, so mine says mysteries of Shabbat, but Shabbat Shalom. We're going to explain what that means. So the, the establishing of Shabbat is important for us because we are made in the image of God. And here's how God describes his Shabbat. In Genesis 2, in the beginning, so the heavens and the earth were completed along with their entire array. God completed on the seventh day his work that he made, and he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he made. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, for on it he ceased from all his work that God created for the purpose of preparing. So we see there's a pattern here that God sets up to work six days and rest on the seventh. Right? Six days of work, rest on the seventh. And so what that is a picture of for us is a microcosmic connection with how the rhythm that we're to live in, and some of us are leisure challenged and we need to be able to find a day of rest. Some of us are good at resting. I had 20 solid years of doing practically nothing. So I have been making up for lost time and it's not always the healthiest thing. We have to find the rhythm and the margins of work and rest, yes? Yes, pray for me. Okay, Catherine says amen. And then we see it again in the Torah. We see in the Torah, in, Genesis, in Leviticus 23, we just heard Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to B'nai Israel, speak to the children of Israel, the sons of Israel, tell them these are appointed moadim. They are appointed meetings with me, special times. All of the holidays are moadim. They are, they are appointments with God. There are times when he draws near and he wants us to draw near. He wants us to bring our best before him and connect with him. The Moadim, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, my Moadim, not the feasts of the Jews, the Lord's Moadim, the Lord's appointed times. Work may be done for six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You are to do no work. It is a Shabbat to Adonai in all your dwellings, right? So we see the pattern of God's creation and rest and the pattern of our work and rest because we're made in his image, yes? Yes. But there's much more going on here because everything in the scripture points to Jesus, Yeshua, 
the Messiah, and everything in Jesus points to his plan for planet Earth and his plan for eternity, his plan for you. So what we see is that if there's a six-day pattern, there's also a six-age pattern, and I will not get into whether there is a 6,000-year-old Earth or a 6-billion-year-old Earth. We can take that up at another time, but I will say this. There's an image here of six days of work and a seventh day that's coming. A seventh day is on the horizon, and that's God's Shabbat. That's a thousand years of Sabbath. Now, the reason why we know, if you're here and you've been found by Jesus, you found him, he found you, I'm not sure how that works, but you met him, he met you, he, or dug you out of a trench or whatever he did, you know that, that what happened on the cross, on that Passover, what happened that sixth day was that all the labor that ever needed to be be done for your salvation took place on that sixth day so that Jesus, in death, could keep the Shabbat. He kept the rest. He finished the work. He said in the afternoon when the high priest said, it is finished, he said, it is finished. They killed the lamb in the temple, and the lamb of God went to be with his father. And in that The work was done. He labored to enter into the rest of God that we hear about in the book book of Hebrews. He did the work. So that's what we're counting down now. I'm not setting times and seasons, but I'm, I'm watching. And what we're counting down is this coming to a culmination of the six eras that are leading to a seventh that is ruled and reigned over by Yeshua. The millennium, thousand years. I had a picture when, with the twins playing on either side of the, you know, we're always like reaching for the next generation, wanting to get this message, and I saw like, oh, this is the millennial temple. <laughs> the two pillars in the millennial, tem- millennial temple. Anyway, it's a joke. But, but this next generation, you know, hey, here's a father's heart. Two hours ago, I got, what is that called? Is that a text or what was that? FaceTime. FaceTime from uh, my son, and his fiance, who are in this similar service in Dallas, Texas. They're in a first Friday messianic service at Gateway Church in Dallas, doing what we're doing here, there. And I thought, thank you, God. Faithful you are. Faithful you are. Are you reaching for a loved one? Do you have a wayward child? Or do you have someone in your family that's driving you nuts because they won't get it with Jesus? God is faithful. He's faithful. In fact, I want to take a moment. Just bow your heads. If you have a loved one, a child, a son, a daughter, a grandchild, a husband, a wife, parent, co-worker, somebody that needs to know Jesus, needs a breakthrough in Jesus, there's an anointing here tonight from that little seemingly joke about the millennial temple and these twins. They represent a breakthrough. They represent a new level of harvest. And so we receive this, Lord, and God, we lift up these by name and we thank you that they are saved by faith. And God, this is a done deal because we are people of covenant in Jesus' name. Amen. So you know, I'm not going over there because of the feedback, but you know that when we light the two candles, it's the woman of the home who lights them because it's through the woman that the light of the world came. So it's an honor in that way. 
But a lot of stuff is going on there in a traditional Jewish household that we should know about because it's, it's kind of personal and private, and you might not see it here because this is kind of a, a God's greatest hits of a Shabbat. A Shabbat would be, it's, it's more, like, more like a Seder. It's kind of, it can be all day, it can be all night, it can be a real long harangue, or it can be, you know, you, two Jews, three opinions. It can be any kind of pattern, but it's not so crisp as we do here. And one thing that I used to see my grandmother do is she would light the two candles and she would say the traditional prayer and then she would pray quietly because in that prayer, she was praying for me. She was praying for our family. She was praying for her family, for the loved ones in her life. So, so when you do this at home, and I suggest you try this at home, start a small group, have a Shabbat, you just need a few little implements to do it. And, and when you do that, it's praying about the light of the world and also at that moment, in contact with the Spirit of Jesus to lift up your family members. And the reason why there's two candles, other than the cool fact that it's about Jews and Gentiles together in Jesus and in worship, we know that. You got that one. I've said it for five years. I know you know that. But also, it's because there are two mentions of the Shabbat. There's the first one that says that we are to remember it. In Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day for holiness. Zachor et hayom Shabbat Remember. That's the first one. And the second one is to keep. Two candles. Remember and keep. Two candles, a double portion of light for the next day when we will not light lights, because this is the end of the work week. And then also to, for these two verses, De- Deuteronomy 5.12 is the other one. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Shamor et yom ha-shabbat l'kadosho. Shamor is that word about he who watches. Keep or watch or be careful with. Make sure you have this margin in your life. I'll get to the Saturday-Sunday conflict in a little while because I'm not going to fix it. <laughs> I, I'm pre- telling you up front, I'm not fixing that. But I will say that we, I, Miles, you, we need to find a margin where we keep a place of sacred time with the Lord. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because the work is finished, I can do it every day. If I was better at this, I suppose I could be in constant communion with him, with words of wisdom and words of knowledge flowing, and kind of live like Jacob up ascending and ascending on the ladder with the angels and watching that and being able I suppose that could be happening, and I'm looking forward to that. Why not? Lamalo in Hebrew, one of my favorites. Lamalo, why not? But in order to get to the Shabbat, we have to prepare. And so there's a lot of work that gets done during the week in order to get ready for the Sabbath time because we don't want to work on Sabbath. We want to rest. We want to play. We want to recreate. We want to have fun. I'll tell you in a moment some of the things you can do. But we want to prepare ourselves. And the most important preparation is not just the cleaning of the house and the getting the food ready and all the stuff that goes into getting ready, but also the preparing of our hearts. And some people say it begins kind of Wednesday starts to peak in preparation, kind of fever pitch on Thursday, and by Thursday night, things are pretty much set. There's a little tune-up to do on Friday morning, and then Friday night begins. Now, here's the thing. If you live in Israel, it's easy, because the whole country is on that rhythm. Now, there are a few pockets of secular life. In fact, Tel Aviv and San Francisco are virtually the same. But in terms of people who are observant Jews, a small part of the population and the Messianic believers and the culture as a whole, there's a kind of a quieting down that starts 
used to be Friday morning. Now they're backing it up to Thursday. I think they're looking for a four-day work week. I don't know. But they, it, it starts to slow down. And it's really easy when the whole world is in that same rhythm with you. I mean, it's easier. You know, there's all this celebration and excitement and looking forward to, and it's just kind of a cultural canopy that's over there, right? I believe America used to be like that on Sunday. Some yes. what I've heard. I, didn't, I don't know, but I've heard that's how it was. That Sunday was chill, right? Prepare your hearts toward the Lord and serve him only. We're about to come into this time of sanctification, 1 Samuel 7, 3. Now, because the Shabbat is related to this picture of what God is going to do to repair the whole world, there's always a connection with giving. There's always a connection with giving. In fact, if I had done this in the right order, I would have had the, this part before the lighting of the candles because really that, that's the last piece of work that I want Catherine to do tonight, right? But before that, there is a place for tzedakah, for charity. And so there's always a place set apart for those that are poor, for those that have need, for those that are suffering financially. That, that came up a moment ago in the offering, when, when Kathy was speaking at the offering. I feel like there's an anointing here for financial breakthrough also. And I don't say that lightly, and I don't, I'm not cavalier about it. If you have a financial struggle right now, I want you to just raise your hand quietly before the Lord. I don't care who it is. I'm just saying that God wants you to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And as we are preaching on tzedakah, as we're preaching about charity, we recognize that it's part of the repair of the world for God to provide for us so we can be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. And this is how he says it in Leviticus 23. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the furthest corners of your field or gather the gleanings of the harvest. Rather, you're to leave them for the poor and for the outsider. I am Adonai, your God. That is in the DNA of the Jewish people. That's why Jewish Voice goes to Africa and India to the farthest places of the world. That's why Innovation Africa is building solar power in Africa to grow vegetables so they can have an economy in all these different countries. That's why it's coming out of Israel in that way. It's in the word. It's here. Now that word keep the Sabbath has to do with something held in trust. The Jewish people have been given the trust of this Sabbath keeping, right? We have been given that by God. And it's a fascinating projection forward because as we are reaching the end of the age and we've been in this Gentile sweep, which is awesome, supermarket sweep, the whole world's getting saved, it's awesome. Started with a few Jews, went to the entire world, is still going to the entire world, that will continue to increase and then it's gonna focus back on Israel and the Jewish people will be the head and not the tail as promised by God and in the millennium, we'll be shepherding that Shabbat too. We'll be kind of working alongside Jesus and doing what he set up in the beginning. <laughs> we're to remember it and we're to keep it. We're to guard it, protect its sanctity. I'm not speaking about a specific day. I'm speaking about a specific person and the gift of his presence. We're to value it. Tzedakah, charity, is, is one of the ways that we are like God, right? When we give, when we're generous, we give, we're, we are like him because he loved the world and he gave to you. So we give. So before the Shabbat, one of the last things we do is we'll put coins or, or make an offering or send money to a charity or something that has to do with giving to someone less fortunate. 
Because Psalm 17:15 says, "In righteousness, Sedek, I will behold your face." In other words, in generosity, I will see you. When I am generous, I see the Lord. When I'm cheap, I don't, because he's not cheap. If I want to be like him, I need to be generous. And it's pleasurable, too. So, so we teach the kids. So we have a tzedakah box where coins go in for little kids. So, so here's a, a kid, kid tzedakah box, right? Marketing, I guess. I don't know how that works. But, you know, you get, get them going. Or this is the one I grew up with, my favorite, because it's got a map of Israel before the partition. This was built in like the 1920s or so. We grew, I grew up with these. And, and it says on it, for the redemption of Israel. And the picture of the land is bigger than current Israel. It's the promise to Abraham that's in the picture. And the coins go in, the redemption of Israel. And all around the world, kids are doing this for decades and decades and decades and saying for the redemption of Israel. <laughs> of course, if you like your rabbi a lot, you can put his picture on yours. This is... This is Menachem Schneerson, a famous Lubavitcher rabbi who, who his group believes that he's the Messiah. Unfortunately, he died and didn't come back, but, he, but he, he's the Messiah. And they, he's from, he lived in a 17th century house in Poland. He's a modern guy, but he had this old brownstone type place left over in the 18th, 19th century in Poland. And because they believe he's coming back, they have five of those houses, replicas, in five different places in the world. So he'll be comfortable when he comes back. You know, you don't want him to have to live in a condo. He's going to have his house from Brooklyn right there. So if you want to get a can and put my picture on it and fill it with money, that's fine. It's okay. I'll pose. I'll give you the I'm coming back look. <laughs> or, yeah. You could have a very fancy tzedakah box. If you're a wealthy family or you just have good stuff around, you can have a very fancy box. Right? There's millions of kinds of these. But my favorite... This is the one I learned about from my dad. This is my favorite. So the house is cleaned, food is cooked, the chores are done, and we can get ready to make a time of rest, menucha, holiness, kedusha, and oneg, joy. Right? That's the thing. So there's all this equipment that goes into it. There's the box, there's the candles, Shabbat candles, the tablecloth, the flowers. All this stuff is going on. The kiddush cups, you know, the wine or grape juice. This is Napa. Wine. Other places, grape juice. I don't know how that works. And then the, the bread, salt to go on the bread. I'll explain that in a moment. And then a book to read this from, the liturgy for the Shabbat. And so it begins at sunset on Friday evening and ends Saturday night when the first three stars come out. It's a mystery. Why not one star? Twinkle, twinkle. Because we see throughout Scripture that God is first one, then three, then seven. And we see in that an unconscious acknowledgement of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit on the part of my people. And so Shabbat closes with an acknowledgement of the Trinity of God. On Shabbat we remember that God created the world and rested from his labors. And just like he, he set aside this time to, to ponder the work that he did, so we do that as well. This time is when we reflect on what we're doing. We evaluate what we're doing. We think about doing this, more of this and less of that. You know, there's a time of reflection. 
and there's a time of rest, and it's a time of uh, just enjoying the created life of God and the creative life that he gives us. Some of the rabbis say that this Shabbat is a picture of olam haba, the world to come, right? The millennial and then the eternal, then the new heavens and new earth. But in the, in the rhythm that we're in, I assume you're in it too. You in that rhythm? You know that one? Yeah, okay. In, the, in the olam hazeh, in this world, we can, we can touch and taste and Im- imbibe something of the fragrance of olam haba, the world to come, as we lean into God's way of doing this. And it, it kind of re- reinforces our identity as God's yeah. children, you know. But did we sing Abba tonight or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought so because I was weeping, thinking about my younger son who was raised strong in the Lord and has just this Yiddish cup, this Jewish brain that was, just makes it hard for him to come back to faith. He's too smart for his own good. But I tell you, he's coming. And I'm telling you, yours are coming too. Because he is a faithful God and he is a father. He's an Abba father. He's a covenant father. Now, interestingly, you know, we have these super high holidays that are very fancy and more ornate and more long, bigger and seem to be like more important, but this is considered the most important holiday of the year. This is the most important one. We, this is time for family, for friends, loved ones. It's, we, we light the candles, we, we drive away the darkness, we welcome the light. And of course, we of course rec- recognize the light of the Lord. So three traditional elements, and this is all you need to know to do this at home. You don't need to know Hebrew. You do need to, it helps to know Jesus, I think. <laughs> but all you gotta do is get some candles, get some wine or grape juice, and get some bread. Those are the three essential elements for this time together, because everything that needs to happen is spiritual. Yes. It's not about ceremonial service, it's not about keeping it correctly and doing it the right way and getting it exact and doing it on exactly the right day all the time in the same way. No, it's as led by the Holy Spirit. And so we light the Sabbath candles. You can all do that. You can say a prayer over the wine, thanking him for his blood. And you can say a prayer over the bread, thanking him for his body, which was given for you, right? And it's also accompanied by many zemerot. Say zemerot. Not bad. Those are songs. We sing a lot on Shabbat. There's a lot of praying, a lot of mumbling prayers, a lot of praying prayers, a lot of talking prayers, a lot of singing prayers, a lot of wine drinking, a lot of eating. It's a lot of hanging out. There's a lot of talking, a lot of philosophizing, a lot of arguing, and a lot of fun. I think that's in the Bible. And then we bless the children always. It always has to do with an intergenerational God. Everything about God is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's always about fathers and sons and grandsons, mothers and daughters and grandchildren, granddaughters. He is in that process right now of restoring that and our understanding of that. And that's why we do what we do here, because Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And when Jacob actually, when I pray about Menashe and, 
and Ephraim and about the mothers in the Lord, the reason why we pray Ephraim and Manasseh is because that's what Jacob did when he was blessing the sons of Joseph. He said, Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. That's what we're doing. We're using their names. Why those guys? Why not King David? You know, why not Moses? Manasseh and Ephraim. I mean, you know, minor league, right? No. No, not at all. May God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. He took his hands and crossed them. And Joseph tried to correct him. He said, wait a minute, you got it backwards. That's the firstborn and that's the later. Uh Uh-uh. He crossed his hands. Why? Forever and always. So you would know that the blessing of the firstborn, Jesus, the firstborn among many sons, the firstborn among many sons, that that blessing has been transferred to you. He has shared, given his Baruch Bechor, his first son's blessing with you. And what is the first son's blessing? A double portion. So not only did he pay for your redemption, but he's sharing all that he is and giving you the double portion that he deserves. Those of us who do not deserve it receive the double portion. So then we come to the first cup of wine, we're hanging out, we, have the, we bless the wine, we call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable, that's Isaiah 58, 13. And this has to do with the, the Kiddush or the, the, the holiness of God, but this is that sanctification time. We're recognizing that in the joy of the sharing of the cup and in the joy of that, we are recognizing that God has pulled us up out of wherever he's pulled us up out of and brought him to himself and we should be happy. Now, I don't believe this, but the rabbis say that if you're grumpy, you can't really get the benefits of Shabbat. And if you're not grumpy, you can get the benefits of Shabbat. I think there's probably a biblical principle hidden in there somewhere, but I don't think it's necessarily about inner double natures. I think the fact is that we should have the joy of the Lord because we have been delivered from death. I mean, come on. We should be celebrating. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And that's one of the prayers over the wine on Shabbat. And we know... Jesus said, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he trims. Anybody been trimmed? Amen. Just me? Anybody? You? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. I love Joyce Myers. She, she had the best line. She said, you're pruned if you do, and you're pruned if you don't. So you might as well just accept the pruning, you know. <laughs> he trims, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. This is my favorite part. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I was looking for a loophole. I would like a loophole that's, that sustains my natural giftings and, and, and speaks, fluffs my aura a little bit and tells me a little bit about how awesome I am and how wonderful. He's saying, apart from him, I can do nothing. 
That means I need to be connected so that what comes through me is from him. Now, it's going to have your personality style and your way of doing it and your giftings, and he's going to release you in special and different ways, all of us. But it's either I'm, I'm doing it on my own, my own, the little engine that could, or I'm going to learn how to let the Lord come through me. So we're learning. So there's also, in the traditional Shabbat, there's a hand-washing period. We're coming up to the meal. There's hand-washing time. And uh, it actually was added later. I mean, there's always been an emphasis on hygiene and cleanliness from the Torah, from the Bible. That's always been in there. But a lot of the traditional Shabbat treatment right now has to do with sort of an overemphasis of and a ritualistic view of hand-washing. It's a little like a whole country of OCD people. Like, I don't know. In a way. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy to you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And we happen to say it around the hand-washing ritual and ceremony, but the idea was, are you getting this, that this is a spiritual walk we're coming into, that what I'm doing on this earth is going to forever change the way we do church, right? And including these time-tested and veritable truths from the Torah, it matters a lot whether they are spirit-led in our lives, in the life of the grafted and believer, so we come to the bread. Now their hands are washed or not. We come to the bread. They are washed. They are already washed. And they come, you come to the bread, and you've seen, you'll, you'll see bread out there. And some, in our other service in Marin, we always take time to, to bless the bread and the cup before we go out and, and, sh- and hang out and fellowship. But the idea is that, that there's, a, there's a, a purpose in this as well. There's two loaves. Again, the double portion, because we're not working tomorrow, and it's a picture of when we were in the wilderness Manna every day, thank you, Jesus. And then on Friday, two, two sets, a double portion of what we needed for that next day because we wouldn't work on Saturday. So we have two loaves, remembering where we came from. Where we came from, where we were completely dependent. Where we came from, where God in his mercy gave us a day of rest and a provision for that day on the day before. So we have two loaves of challah, challah bread. And then we, we put salt on it. Because Leviticus 23.3, you shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. A picture of that which keeps back sin, that which retards spoilage, that which is a preservative, that which is pointing towards something that is greater than the decay of the world, and it's a remembrance of this gift from God that has this preserving power. When we, uh, when we do a housewarming, that's what we bring as a gift. I mean, you might also bring a refrigerator, but what we bring in always is uh, bread and salt. Bread so that they will always have a prosperous abundant life bread man slip me some bread you guys are too young anyway bread some bread some of you know what i'm talking about right okay bread sustenance and salt so that sin and that which attacks the goodness here would not have a way have its way in your in your home 
bread and salt. And we say the prayer which you've heard at the Seder, and we say, Blessed art thou, Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then, of course, we eat. We eat a lot. We eat too much. We eat until we can't eat anymore. Because there's something about the meetings with God that also have to do with feasting with God. They have to do with, with being in the goodness of God and enjoying enjoying it, enjoying one another, enjoying good food, enjoying good company, hanging out. There's something in that that is not just indulgence and gluttony and bad stuff. It's from God. It has to do with with this gratitude. And so we live in that place of gratitude. And so I'm going to show you a couple of pictures of Shabbats with some of my family members. This happens to be my Ethiopian family. So here's a middle-class family kind of having a Shabbat. And then here's a very poor family having Shabbat together. And then here's the service this, on the Saturday morning. This is Ethiopia, folks. It's my family. Hallelujah. And so here's the thing about prayer and blessing and grace and all that stuff that we do as Christians. You know, you can't eat because you're going to get cooties if you don't say something, right? Right? I, I, I never figured out. I think some of it's really sincere and really meaningful. And some of it's just like, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't do this. That's me. So here's the way the Jews have it. And this is from the Bible, from the Torah, and from the Sabbath liturgy. It's like we don't front load the blessing and pray for clearance. On the, although I do recommend it in Africa or in foreign countries. Sometimes I do it when I'm traveling. Like, oh, save me, Lord. <laughs> So I get that. I do get that we should not, we should be able to drink any deadly thing. And, you know, I get it. But the Jewish people, based on the scripture from Deuteronomy 8.10, it says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. So after, we remember that everything we have comes from him. And we thank him. It's connected to Deuteronomy 11. I don't have that verse here, but it's connected to that. When you come into your land and you dwell in houses you haven't built and you, plant vineyard, you take, eat from vineyards you haven't planted, etc., that when you do all that, when, God, when you are blessed, don't forget me. Amen. Don't forget me. It's called Brikat Hamazon, the blessing. And so now the singing begins. Dessert, singing, Singing's been going on throughout. In fact, in the synagogue on Saturday morning, there's going to be six prayers that are prayed to commemorate the six trumpets that were blown to, to announce Shabbat back in the day. So now we say six prayers. We don't have a temple. So we say six prayers. Isn't it amazing? Six days, six eras, six trumpets. But in the book of Revelation, there's a seventh trumpet. And what happens at the seventh trumpet? Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're looking towards that. So we sing celebration. We're, we're, we're getting ready for more of that. We're enjoying the moment. We're thanking him for deliverance from the past. And now we're celebrating his goodness. Maybe with this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His mercy endures forever. 
and we emphasize it's not about the day or the ritual, the ceremony, or any of the gimmicks that are connected to it. It's about derech ha-Yeshua, the way of salvation. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No man comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sabbath, Shabbat, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I speak English. Wednesday, Thursday. That's the Godfather reference. You forget that. Somebody knows that? If you know that reference from the Godfather, see me after. Uh, Michael, I already speak English. Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Monday. <laughs> so here's what we do on Shabbat. We rest. We rest. We love. We family. We play. We may study. We may want to get in the Word and enjoy we heal, we are healed, and we are free to heal others. And we worship. We, we remain cognizant of the goodness of God throughout the day. And this is one of my favorite pictures of Shabbat. That's what I'm talking about. Who's, who's ready? Who's due, due, overdue on this one? Yeah, I, I get it, I get it, I feel you. <laughs> And then at the end of the day, when the first three stars come out of that, as we approach that, we have a Havdalah service. Havdalah means separation. So just as we prepared for the special sanctification of Saturday for Shabbat, so now we say goodbye. And, and we do that in this way. Leviticus 10.10, you're to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. In other words, we're, we're leaving this specific special thing, special time. It's a symbol it's a picture of the millennium. It's a picture of our walk with the Lord. But we're leaving this day, and we're getting ready for the work week. We're getting ready to go back into our life. But we're refreshed. We're renewed. We're ready because we've been filled with all of this goodness that has taken place. And, and so there's some elements that are part of the Havdalah service. There's a spice box. And there's a cup of wine, of course. And then there's a braided candle. And the braided candle is lit Braided candle is lit, lit it's, it's braided to remember the entwining of life with God, and it's the connection with him, and, and in a really cool part of the ceremony, we will we'll like light the candle, and then it will be blown out, and in the dark, we'll pass around this spice box to have the scent of Shabbat to take with us. And if you don't have a fancy pants thing like that, Get yourself an orange and some cloves and stick the cloves in the orange and you've got Havdalah. You just take a whiff of that and pass it around and that smell will stay with you into the work week. Remember Shabbat together. Besamim, the spices. And we have a Kiddush cup full of wine. And then we say Shalom to Shabbat. I love in Israel, when you pick up a, an Israeli soldier who's hitchhiking because he, he has to go back to work, he can't, he can't have Shabbat with his family, he's got to go back to the base, and he'll get on, he'll, you'll say Shabbat Shalom, he'll say, Shalom Shabbat. <laughs> like, I got to work, I gotta, I'm on duty. But Shabbat Shalom. So we say goodbye, and we sing this, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord my God is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. 
Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And every time you hear the word salvation in the Hebrew, do you know what you're hearing? That's right. Go to the head of the class, Yeshua. You're hearing that word over and over again. Yeshua is one of the Hebrew words for salvation. And so the people in the land and around the world are constantly on Shabbat calling out the name of Yeshua, thanking the King of Kings for the salvation that he's bringing to all of Israel and looking forward to a millennial time, to a messianic age when we will live in Shabbat Shabbaton, a complete and utter rest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That day is coming. And it begins and ends with a cup, which is amazing since it was his blood that saved us. It begins and ends with a cup and the spice box, as I said, and then we have this candle that speaks about the creation of fire. Uh, There's a a, a rabbinical story that Adam, after they were thrown out of the garden, Adam was kind of scared of the dark. And so God gave him the gift of fire so he wouldn't be afraid. Now, I thought it was Tom Hanks, but it turns out it was Adam who created fire according to God gave him this gift so he could light and his fear was abated. And so that's how we got fire. I don't know. (laughs) After the cup, we take a small amount of wine, pour it into a plate, take the Havdalah candle, we dip it into the wine cup and listen to it sizzle. Room is entirely dark. We turn on the lights and we sing Eliyahu Hanavi, which you have heard if you've been to one of our Passovers. And it's the Jewish way of looking for Messiah, looking for the one who will come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Eliyahu Hanavi is Elijah the prophet, and we are looking for him. We're looking for him. We're looking for him. And guess what? He's right here. He's already come. He's already come, and he's coming back. So Saturday, Sunday... I don't know, Titus 3.5, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so no man can boast. And the day is coming. Now listen to me. I believe that what you are is a forerunner, a foreshadowing of something that is going to be happening. I do believe, ultimately, that the entire believing community of Jews and Gentiles will be on a Hebrew calendar that God has set. And we probably will keep Shabbat on Saturday. We'll probably meet on Friday, etc. I believe that day is coming. And I believe that will be celebrated in the millennium because it says there will be a Shabbat Shabbaton. There will be an ultimate kind of rest. And there will be this... Jewish aspect to the whole thing. However, in the meantime, enjoy worship and fellowship and community on Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, because we're coming to a place that Hebrews 4, 9 says, so then there remains a rest for the people of God. We're looking forward to a season of a thousand years of a supernatural rest. Because Jesus said Shabbat was made for man and not man for Shabbat. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Beit Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.